I want to tell you one of the most remarkable stories of wasted marketing budget I've ever come across in my career. And it has to do with making expensive creative decisions based on what leadership thinks is cool rather than what the people that matter, the customers, would actually respond to. Welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast, where we help higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azzoni. I'm the founder of Unveiled, a video production company working specifically with higher ed marketing teams on automating their video storytelling content. Learn more at unveiled.tv, U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv. Now, the story. A couple of years ago, uh, a friend of mine who has this, his own, he's got his own video production company. He had an auto dealership client. Uh, they set out to do something different. They wanted to show how their dealership really cares about their customers and the whole car buying experience. And so they decided to make a commercial for broadcast, uh, you know, with this whole storyboarded concept. And additionally, they wanted to produce video testimonials of, of real customer experiences with their dealership. Um, so I was brought in to lead the storytelling side of the campaign with the testimonials. And there was a director flown in from New York or LA or some big shot place, uh, to direct the commercial. I was on the set for the commercial just to, just to kind of hang out, uh, big commercial crew, the whole deal, you know, whole, the total spend for this whole campaign, the, the commercial and the testimonials was easily over a hundred thousand dollars. So you know, that's not a small amount of money for a local dealership. Um, the stories turned out awesome. They, they had a lot of personality to them. They were very different than what you'd expect from a, a dealership. They were very different than what you'd expect from just like a typical testimonial as well. Um, and they were fun and stuff like that. The commercial, same thing. It was, it was fresh. It was different. You know, this was going to be great. So as a lot of, as a lot of dealerships are set up, it's a family-owned thing. So they were in the process of transitioning leadership from the dad to the son, uh, but full control hadn't been given up yet. So I get a call from my buddy one day after this project wraps. And he said, yeah, the dad who owns the dealership wants, wants to scrap the whole thing. He saw the videos. He doesn't like the direction. He, he wants just a normal spokesperson in the parking lot doing the whole, like, come on down, you know, kind of thing like that. They just want to do what they've always done. Now, I wasn't in the room where this decision was made. I can guarantee you, though, it was 100% based on assumptions and fear and airing what leadership is comfortable with versus what their audience would actually respond to. Six-figure sum of money down the drain. You've never seen any of these videos because they never aired. Uh, and yet, here's the kicker. As a car buying customer myself, I know the real story of this dealership because I was on these shoots. And I will for sure be buying my next car from them simply by hearing the genuine stories of customers' experiences during the shoot. In fact, I would go at, like there's a the 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 closest dealership of these people is like an hour from me. I will drive that far to go to this dealership because of what I know about them. Unfortunately, none of that will come through on commercials with you know a dude standing in the parking lot listing their sales prices and you know it's just one of a billion other car dealership commercials like that and everyone's just going to ignore it even if you put a gorilla dancing in the background it just they're going to ignore it uh so take this out of the video world and into the broader marketing context and we see this happening all the time all over the place especially in higher education 
Um, so Ryan Morabito, he's a LinkedIn uh, connection of mine that I follow. He's a higher ed marketer, you know, leader of sorts, posted a thread on LinkedIn the other day about this very topic. He says that there's a lot of pressure to appease senior leaders and cater to their marketing preferences, but we need to remember whose opinions matter most, students. Seems pretty simple, right? One commenter said, yes, often leadership is disconnected from the pain points, perspective students feel and experience. We often think we know what they want or what drives them to action. Sadly, most institutions do not spend enough time asking students their why. I wholeheartedly agree with this. And I will go on to say that without data, people resort to job security. The measuring stick of success becomes what's going to make me look good to my boss, regardless of whether that effort produces results. Without clear data, leaders resort to what they think students want to hear, and people working for those leaders resort to making those leaders happy. It's completely self-serving and not helpful and a huge waste of money. One other commenter on this thread said, leaders think they know the student profile or the reason they attend and would prefer it to be something else. Is that not one of the truest things you've you've heard if you've been in marketing meetings you know and it's you know leadership ha leadership has their like their feelings about about the brand and the feelings about the, what they want it to be and what they want others to grasp onto the problem is you can't control that you can't control what other people are motiv motivated by you have to make decisions based on what they actually are motivated by but the reality is what people respond to and what makes people take action doesn't care about your feelings. It has nothing, has, has nothing to do with how you feel or your opinions. This is just part of how we're wired, though. We're, we're wired to seek out confirmation for what we already believe to be true or what we want to believe is true rather than seek out what's actually true and let the truth guide our actions. Hello, social media, politics, uh, everything. Um, and here's another truth about this scenario how even more money is wasted. In the absence of data, we hire some expensive consultant or agency to come in and save the day. We think this person or this company has the answers. They know the right words to say. They're gonna put the right words in our mouths, on our papers, on our print ads, in our videos. They can tell us what strings to pull. Eventually you will experience the hard truth that no amount of money can overcome assuming what your audience cares about. No amount of money can overcome assuming what your audience cares about. No amount of money can overcome assuming what students' pain points are or what they are or, or where they are in the decision-making process and what they need to hear in that moment to move them forward in the decision-making process. Even the most expert of experts in the world of marketing are just educated guessers. Even when there's data to back up a, dis a decision, there's no guarantee that what you put out there is going to make a splash or go viral or whatever. No, no guarantee. So, you know, even with data, expensive consultants are just guessing to some degree. Without data, we're just taking shots in the dark based on what generally tends to work or based on the opinions of the person signing the check. Um, and so, and, and if you, if you've ever done like Facebook ads or something, uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, um, people that are really good at that, don't just partner with the client and then go, boom, I got the magic bullet for you. Here you go. And then everyone gets a lot of money and lives happily ever after. It just doesn't, doesn't happen like that. Even the, the most expert of experts paid ad consultants will tell you, you have to test things because your assumptions are probably wrong. 
you have to test dozens and dozens of variations of an ad uh, un until you land on one that is worthy of putting money into and scaling up. Otherwise, they're just guessing. They're just assuming what they think might work. So around 2013-ish, I think, Nestle, uh, the makers of Nesquik chocolate milk, uh, which I haven't had in years. I used to drink that stuff all the time. Um, I've never even, haven't seen it in stores in a long time. But um, so Nestle, uh, for the sake of this chocolate milk, had an idea. They figured everyone's making their own holidays, so let's make up our own. Uh, they declared September 16th National Bunny Ears Day. They launched an app that would put chocolate bunny ears on user photos. They had a hashtag, they had celebrities endorsing this launch. It was a whole thing, and that that is a whole thing that few people have ever heard of because it was a huge flop. Tur turns out, while it was a fun idea, the article I got this from suggests that there wasn't much data to back up its likelihood to succeed in the real world. The author says this about it. If data had been properly collected, analyzed, and used to conduct a deep dive of Nesquik's target audience, their online and mobile habits, how they interacted previously with the brand and their demographics, the faux holiday could have survived, maybe even thrived, or else have been avoided altogether if it looked like a loser, a losing campaign. End quote. So this article comes from scisense.com, S-I-S-E-N-C-E.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, ultimately, and I don't know this for a fact, but it seems like the, the sort of cool idea outweighed an actual understanding of how much their demographic thinks chocolate bunny ears is a funny or cute, is, is funny or cute, how much they care enough about the novelty to share it for the purposes of something as dumb and benign as chocolate milk. Um, also, this is an example of like, let's not make another dumb holiday that nobody actually recognizes. The only people that care about things like that are like the executives at the top that are like, wouldn't this be a great if we had, you know, the whole world celebrating a holiday based around our brand. It's it's one of those ideas I can imagine leadership thinking is real cute, but it's totally disconnected from anything that the culture is going to latch on to. For example, there is a national kombucha day. I'm sure some executive at one of these big kombucha makers, uh, GTS Living or whatever it is, thought it would be great to, you know, sort of put this in motion. And of course, nobody's ever heard of it. An example of a seemingly successful campaign is mentioned in this same article. It was developed for Melbourne Metro trains to spread awareness about train deaths as a way of decreasing accidents at train crossings and platforms. It featured a fully animated video of these cute, uh, colorful blobs kind of singing shapes or whatever, singing about and acting out dumb ways to dumb ways to die is what the campaign was called. Um, and this thing took off. It went totally viral. You've probably seen it. If you haven't just look on YouTube, dumb ways to die and you'll find it. Uh, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, the video has almost 250 million views on YouTube. Uh, the account dumb ways to die name of the account uh, has over 1 million subscribers as a result. But what were the actual results? An increase in train accidents in the months after it was released had the opposite effect. Uh, turns out their intended audience uh, was 18 to 29 year olds. The demographic where most of these accidents were coming from was that age group, 18 to 29 year olds. And 46% of that age group never saw the ad. 
So this article that I'm talking about that, that I got this from implies that it was more popular with young children and parents than it was with the intended audience due to the colorful cartoon and the catchy song. The author of the article has this to say, had marketers used their data to dive further into their target audience's behaviors, likes, dislikes, and how they perceive ads and interact online, they could have discovered that while their ad idea was overall brilliant, the audience they intended to reach would have responded better to a campaign that went in a different direction. So in the absence of data, we resort to making decisions based on the wrong things. We make decisions based on what the internal team or the executives feel excited about, what leadership wants, or what seems cool and flashy. And this is a wild shot in the dark and a potential money-wasting approach. I wanted to find some examples from higher education on uh, these, you know, some case studies from higher education. So I posted on Reddit. The question was, uh, tell me your best stories of dumb marketing initiatives that were designed to appease leadership rather than students. One person said, at one point we had an advertising campaign where words from our mission, vision, and value statements were posted after the word no, K-N-O-W, all over campus. Examples, no knowledge, no compassion, no community. <laughs> read these out loud. What do they say? I just read them out loud. So now you know what they say. Another person said, putting a billboard up on a highway so the college president could see it on his way to work. It annoyed him to see other local colleges up there and not ours. Not that a billboard is a dumb marketing initiative necessarily, but if that's your metric, we need to do better. If your metric is, does the president see it? That's not the right person that needs to see it. So I think a lot of schools, you know, might be overwhelmed with what data to track, how to get it, what to do with it. I completely understand. Data, um, date, collecting data overwhelms me. I'm a creative person. I'm a very uh, right-brained. Is that the creative side? I'm a very right-brained person. I'm the, the creative side of the brain. That's me. And so the idea of like, oh my gosh, tracking, you know, spreadsheets and graphs and analyzing demographics and stuff stresses me the heck out. Um, at the same time, seeing things not work out for something that I've spent a lot of time and put a lot of heart into uh, also stresses me out. So I think it really just comes down to listening to students, hearing their stories hearing where they're coming from and understanding their pain points. Now, if I were you listening to this, I'd be, okay, listening to students like that. Okay, John Azzoni has has solved data collection. The answer is listen to students. Um, it's like, it's like, oh, how do you write good copy? Know your audience. Well, if it were that easy, you know, then it would be easy. Uh, so, but I think what I'm, what I'm really saying is I'll, a lot of institutions or organizations just in general um, invest way more time into speaking than they do listening. They invest way more time and money into guessing and putting out content and ho hoping it works, hoping it goes viral, hoping it takes off rather than putting that money into uh, listening and then making informed decisions. Having actual conversations with students. In uh, episode two of this podcast, I suggest one approach to doing that, just, just that where you're having intentional conversations with your audience. 
And in the process, you're able to mine for really good stories to tell at the same time. It's kind of a double whammy. Stories that you would have no idea existed if you didn't intentionally converse with your students and learn about their lives. Because the alternative of that is like when you need stories, it's like, you know, you're asking a you know, the, the um, debar- department head or something like that. Give me some good stories uh, to, that we can do testimonials of and they'll give you stories of people that are like, we liked the school, five stars, you know, but those aren't like really dynamic stories. You get the dynamic stories by having intentional conversations with students. In that episode, I talk about a way to sort of scale up that process. It's certainly not the most scientific approach, but uh, it's one approach. Uh, that's number one. Number two, testing and validating content if you have the time and budget for that. You can learn a lot by running Facebook ads or Google ads simply for the purposes of capturing data. You can target your ads to a very specific audience and see what they respond to. Do they, do they respond more to a story about a successful student that was doing great things in the world? Uh, Do they respond more to just tactical information about what makes your school different? What aspects about your school are they responding to? The beauty of your campus, the small class sizes, the professors that work in their respective fields. Invest budget into finding out what messaging and in what formats that messaging drives traffic to your website and 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 or drives engagement or what whatever results matter to your bottom line. And once you land on a winning combination, scale that up and do it at a higher level. There was a period of time where I was learning how to do Facebook ads several several years ago, and one of the biggest takeaways from that experience was how wrong I was about what people would respond to. The ads that I thought were the slickest or that I thought... So I was doing Facebook ads for... Uh, some friends of mine uh, had a, a vegan ice cream company. Uh, the ads that I thought were the slickest or that I thought were going to take off and that I really believed in, I was like, this is, this is going to go... Money is going to fly in with this ad. Um, Those fell flat. And in some cases, the ones I thought were just kind of throwaway, like nobody's going to care about this. Those were the ones they clicked on. You really don't know until you know. Another thing to do is to take a prototype of your ad or marketing content, uh, a video or whatever, a blog post, whatever, and show it to select people and ask for feedback about what's working and what's not. What parts do they start to lose interest? Do they even care at all about what you want them to care about? Would they even click on that thing in the first place? There is a sea of like 98% of blog posts, of articles or whatever. The headlines are so boring. Like no, like nobody's gonna be scrolling around and gonna be like, oh man, I, I gotta see what happens in this article. I gotta click on that. Way more, and that's a, that's a topic for another episode, but so much more effort needs to be put into hooking your audience. But that's one thing that you can ask other people about is does this hook you in the first place? Because you don't hook them, you don't, then you can't talk to them anyways. They're not listening to you. Um, take stuff you've already done and show it to people and ask for their feedback. You'll get a great sense of the difference between what you think people will respond to and what they actually respond to. And again, what you think people will respond to or what you hope they'll respond to matters zero compared to what people actually respond to. Additionally, there are lots of fancy tools, uh, tools and technologies out there. And me, like I said, being more on the content creation side, creative side, not the data capture side of marketing. I'm not super familiar with all the fancy stuff. And so if you are one of those people, I know you're out there, reach out to me because I'd love to have you on the podcast to dive 
uh, into this deeper with solutions and how other schools can, um, you know, kind of start to measure things. So my goal in this episode is just to get you to think about whose opinion actually matters when making marketing decisions. So if student testimonials are part of your strategy and you know that that's an approach that's working for you or that's at least something you want to test out, uh, I'd love to talk to you. At Unveiled, we help colleges and universities automate their video storytelling, making telling student and alumni success stories a breeze through our student testimonial subscriptions. It's real hands-off. And by the end of the year, you end up with a ton of video content and a massive library of cinematic B-roll content that your internal team uh, can put to use for unlimited future videos. Uh, you can learn more about that at unveiled.tv, U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv, and how we can help arm your marketing team with a massive amount of content with minimal work on your part. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. That helps us out a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast, and we will see you on the next episode.